This is the Old Town Podcast, our Red Sox pod here at The Athletic, and this is an emergency sign-stealing episode. Subscribe to us if you can. Also, give us a uh, five-star rating if you like what you hear, and you can do that on Apple or wherever you listen to your podcast. I'm Tim McMaster, along with Jen McCaffrey and Chad Jennings, our Red Sox writers here at The Athletic. And finally, baseball and Commissioner Rob Manfred have announced the penalties for the Red Sox after the sign stealing in 2018. Uh, And really what it amounts to, it feels almost like a slap on the wrist compared to what the Astros got. But the Red Sox did, in fact, cheat at least to a small level and a small number of people, according to the report. We'll get into all of it. We'll talk about the penalties. We'll talk about what they actually did. We'll talk about what this really means for that 2018 World Series championship team. Um, Guys, let's start with the penalties Um, Alex Cora, who's no longer with the team, suspended through 2020 through the playoffs. But that was for 2017 with what he did with the Astros, not for what the Red Sox did. Uh, Video operator JT Watkins, who seems like is the main culprit here, he is suspended without pay through 2020. uh, And he's not allowed in the replay room in 2021. They also give up a 2020 second round draft pick. Um, That's a lot different than the Astros, who had their GM fired, their manager fired, two first-round picks, two second-round picks, and money as well. Um, Chad, I'll start with you. Is what I said, this kind of a slap on the wrist compared to the Astros, is that fair? Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's that's a fair assessment of it. Whether it's a fair punishment, I don't know. Um, (laughs) I I mean, my read on it is, you know, this is sort of what I expected. I did not expect JT to Watkins to sort of take the fall for it, but I I didn't expect anything close to what the Astros punishment looked like, largely because what the Red Sox were accused of doing and what they were found to have done seems to be anyway, you know, in, in my conversation, I'm sure Jen feels the same, that it's, I don't believe this is particularly unusual within baseball today. Um, you know, just, you can even just read in the report about the nature of JT Watkins job where part of his responsibility was before a game to he's the guy whose job was to look through and find pitching you know pitcher signs and try to get sequences to prepare for a series and then you stick that same guy in front of a live video in a game and then if he I mean if he confirms those sequences if he finds something slightly different whatever then all of a sudden he's not supposed to say anything it's just unrealistic right I mean it's it's a right. it's a kind of a dumb way to have it all set up if if your if your goal is to let people if your goal is to not have anyone take signs from video during a game then it's sort of ridiculous to allow teams to have their main sign sequence stealer watch live video during a game it just doesn't make any sense and so i think that's also maybe why you see a little bit lighter punishment here is i think there's a good chance that we start hearing stories of this kind of thing coming from almost every organization in baseball and you know Rob Manfred's not gonna you know suspend the manager of the Red Sox over this if it means he might have to suspend every other manager as as these stories comes out come out in drips and drabs throughout the next few years 
Yeah, the Astros kind of said we are some players on the Astros um, said we felt like everyone was doing it. And that's why we did it. Jen, it seems like the Red Sox saying that about this is maybe a little more true. There's no trash can banging going on here. It's just really it's really the age old uh, art of sign stealing with a little digital illegal um, kind of star to it. Yeah, I think that's kind of the main um, the main takeaway from all this is that uh, Manfred and like in his committee didn't really find that this was um, you know the same level of of cheating if you will you know the Astros were kind of you know out there banging on trash cans like you said and relaying signs and things like that whereas this was sort of decoding signs from a video feed and something that you you're allowed to do before and after games but not in games and because he had you know JT had uh, JT Watkins had this role of also being the guy who's reviewing replays and that kind of um, you know relaying his information to to Cora to make the decision when Cora was managing the team um, and if you know if he saw a catcher sign and you know what his his uh, discretion to to you know let players know that he had he had found this or obviously you know he did he did he was found to have done this so I think uh yeah I think that's kind of where where it all lies and obviously it's still a little tricky to kind of explain and um you know and and kind of met out but uh but I think that's kind of ultimately what the difference is here it also speaks to the the difference between what the Astros are doing and and what the Red Sox are doing is is the reaction within the league I mean I, I it'll be interesting to see whenever there's baseball again or whenever baseball players are speaking to the media again if we hear the same level of anger directed toward the Red Sox that we heard directed toward the Astros I think I think that will be a pretty telling next step in all of this you know players were mad at the Astros that that was seen as something that took this way beyond sort of what the what the game is you know it was all of a sudden now if you're able to to get someone signed without a player at second base or able to relay a sign to a hitter without someone at second base, all that sort of thing. That felt like a, a violation of the game. I'm, I'm curious to see if, if we see players come out in the same way with the same level of anger about what the Red Sox were found to have done. Because again, my, my, my feeling is that this is uh, what the Red Sox are, have been caught doing here is, uh, is much more widespread than, than the level to which the, the Astros took it. And the comments by Manfred, some of the comments in the report, I think were telling too, because after the Astros penalties came out and all of that, and they brought up the fact that the players weren't penalized because of immunity, Manfred was asked if he would have penalized players based on the facts if they hadn't been granted immunity. And he basically said, yeah, I would, you know, I would love to. Um, And in this, he actually makes the point in the report to say that he wouldn't have penalized the players in this situation, which I, I thought that was pretty telling. Um, as far as who had done wrong. And it seemed like a lot of the players kind of offered up this information, not even realizing the information they were giving um, to in these interview processes were wrong, that, that what they were doing, they felt like there was nothing wrong with it and it didn't break the rules. So maybe there's a communication flaw there. And we'll get to that. You talked about that in your story, Chad, that's up on The Athletic. But the Red Sox have already reacted to this with a statement. Part of that was from Sam Kennedy said, MLB acknowledged the front office's extensive efforts to communicate and enforce the rules and concluded that Alex Cora, the coaching staff, and most of the players did not engage in we're not they were aware of any violations regardless these 
Rule violations are unacceptable. We apologize to our fans in Major League Baseball and accept the commissioner's ruling. Um, pretty straightforward statement. He did point out, though, he made he made it clear that he kind of defended Alex Cora and the players a little bit in there, um, which is an interesting statement because they had to get rid of Cora anyway, and now we know that he would have been suspended if he was still with the Red Sox, but, but certainly interesting. All right, let's get into what they actually did. And you guys mentioned it was sign stealing from the video room, um, but it was by JT Watkins, who's the guy who was responsible for doing this legally before and after the games. Um, He was stationed in the replay room, which is right near the Red Sox dugout. And it's a room that players are allowed to go in to look at um, past at bats during a game and check out some video. So um, correct me if I'm wrong here on this gem, but I believe he would, and players have said they feel like 90% of the information he gave them was pregame, and he would just kind of tweak it based on what he would see. Um, but he would figure out a sign. It would go to the dugout. Then it would go to a runner on second base, and then it would go to the hitter, which is obviously different than knowing in real time with a noise from a trash can what's going to come. This was more traditional. Is that is that the way it plays out to you from what you've read? Yeah, that's that's pretty much exactly you know what my uh, my takeaway was from this was that you know there was still a lot of steps that had to be taken, <laughs> um, and even at that you know there's still a lot uh, a pretty high margin for error in terms of just relaying things and it obviously had to occur with you know a runner on base to be able to relay it back to the to, to the guy hitting so so uh, I think you know in the report Manfred says that uh, Watkins communicated sign he says here. Uh, Sign seek was uh, evidently decoded from in-game feed and only a small percentage of those occurrences. So, I mean, um, that's, you know, kind of, like you said, sounded slightly sympathetic throughout the process <laughs> to, to Watkins, but also realizing he needed to peg somebody with this. Um, so I think that's kind of where they uh, kind of came to a, in his in Manfred's mind, maybe a happy medium of, of not letting anybody off the hook, but also, you know, making sure someone had punishment. Yeah, it was interesting to read in in this report that how often Manfred seemed to go out of his way to uh, to to do things like acknowledge that Watkins' job was weird, right? Like, I mean, there's a whole <laughs> paragraph about how strange it is that JT Watkins had to like could legally decipher signs sometimes and was not allowed to see them other times. It's strange that he went out of his way sometimes to say, you know, how much he went out of his way to say that the that after saying with the Astros that everything starts at the top, right? That the responsibility is at the top, even though in the, in the Astros thing, he said that the, that AJ Hinch didn't mastermind it, that Jeff Lunau didn't put it into place, that he still blamed them because it all starts at the top. In this one, it was like he did the opposite where he, he went out of his way to say no one at the top had anything to do with it. And it's all this guy, JT Watkins fault. Um, it was just a strange uh, to me. And then he also went out of his way to praise the culture of the team and to say how much they cooperated and, and what a great job they did relaying all the information and telling, making sure all their players heard the rules and knew the rules. And then later in it says that a lot of players were confused by the rules and didn't know what JT was allowed to tell them what he wasn't. It, it, it was just, it, it did feel like a lot of sort of, uh, you know, trying not to come down too hard, but then in the end, yeah, I mean, just blaming it all on on JT Watkins which seemed that part seemed surprising to me. I was not surprised by what he discovered they found but but the wording of it routinely throughout was like you know really making a point of saying it's it's no one else's fault and everyone's trying to do a good job here and it's okay except this guy's going to be suspended for a year. 
I would imagine with the one-year suspension without pay, Watkins is probably going to move on and look elsewhere so he can work a job where he is paid. Um, but that being said, Jen, you have a story up about just who JT Watkins is. So just let people know this is a name that, that you guys are familiar with. He's around the team, but but people out there as Red Sox fans have no idea who JT Watkins is. So who is this guy exactly? Yeah, so actually he's a guy that they, uh, well, I guess first of all, he's the son of uh, Red Sox scout Danny Watkins, who obviously is the, the guy who found uh, found and basically convinced the Red Sox to, uh, to sign Mookie Betts um, in the 2011 draft. Um, so he's about, he has a son about the same age as Mookie, and uh, they drafted, um, the Red Sox drafted um, JT Watkins as a catcher um, out of uh, West Point. He played for Army uh, Baseball and was actually a decent enough uh, catcher there, um, but uh, didn't really have a ton of success in the in the minors. Um, you know, when he played in the Red Sox system, and actually had to take two years off to serve for the Army uh, in 2013 and 2014, um, and and was uh, stationed at a at a fort in Georgia um, as like an artillery um, officer. Uh, so he has a has the uh, obviously the the background the the military background there and, and came back to the Red Sox tried to continue his minor league career but um, wasn't wasn't quite working and obviously like I said had the scouting background and was hired by the Red Sox in 2017 as a advanced scouting assistant um, which was basically um, doing like advanced scout work for the for the opponents that the Red Sox would be playing kind of you know trying to trying to find these advantages this was his entire job was trying to pour through video and looking for uh looking for any advantage he could help the Red Sox get so um they added eventually added the the replay job to his role um and and that's what he's basically been doing since 2017 and Cora would often you know mention him in his you know press conferences of how um, you know, impressed he was with kind of um, just Watkins' uh, like keen eye and, you know, the way that he kind of viewed the game. So um, this is a, a really smart guy, obviously a really disciplined guy um, being with, you know, having come from the, the military, like I said there. Um, and just, um, yeah, obviously has a lot of ties with the Red Sox organization. When he wasn't in the minors, he played alongside Mookie and he played alongside Andrew Benintendi and, you know, Christian Vasquez and um, all those guys that kind of came up together. He was he played alongside them. So he knew a lot of those guys in the clubhouse, too. Um, so I think there's that factor as well. Um, so. Uh, so, yeah, he's he's not someone that I think the average fan knows, um, but he definitely has been uh, a pretty um, heavily involved with the team and around the team for for. Uh, you know, four years now. And obviously, and you mentioned it, Chad, it's tricky because they're basically saying, we want you to do a really good job. And your job is to be in this replay room also during the games, but you have to stop doing your pregame job the moment you step into that room, because if you keep doing it, it's going to be legal now and against, or it's going to be against the rules now that the game has started. But before and after the game, surely just keep doing that and you're doing a great job. I mean, it's just, it's confusing, which is what you mentioned about Manfred. And and it certainly puts him in a tough spot. I have to believe that he had to have kind of known. Now he's denied it. He said he didn't had no wrongdoing, but I got to believe he knew that something wasn't right about what he was doing. Yeah, I mean, I guess so. But again, it, it I, I think of, and it's you know, it's a totally different thing. But you know, like pitchers putting pine tar on their fingers or something are a little bit sticky on their fingers to throw a ball. I think of that, and that it's illegal, yeah. right? But it happens in the game, and it is just understood that it happens in a game, and it's almost you know on a cold wet day or something a pitcher would almost be not doing his job if he didn't have something there to help him control the ball and and that's just 
acknowledged and basically allowed within the game. Um, I, to me, some of this feels the same, where once you feel like it's this widespread and that so many teams are doing this, at some point, well, okay, yes, it's not the, the rules say I'm not supposed to do this, but at, at what point is it just sort of one of those things that's just happening within baseball, right? And and where it is sort of a gray area on whether it's allowed and whether it's not. Um, so I, I don't... The idea that somehow J.T. Watkins was like a mastermind of some <laughs> great scheme to to disrupt baseball and break the rules is is sort of ridiculous to me. Um, it, it kind of, I think we just need to figure out exactly where, if, if baseball wants to say you absolutely cannot steal signs through technology, like, well, I mean, that's fine. But then put some things in place where you can't do that. And, and don't put a guy like Watkins, who's this low-level staffer, don't put him in a position where he has to make that choice. You know, if if he recognizes that the signs are different, how can he not say something? <laughs> you know, I mean, he, he's a he's one of the lowest guys on the totem pole. That's his job, and and to put him in a position where now he has to have information that he can't share just seems unfair and short sighted to me. It's certainly a, a tough spot, and and you're right. Things are going to have to change, right? Maybe those the doors are locked for those replay rooms, or they have to move them further away. I don't know. There's definitely, uh, and you could read that between the lines in the Astros report too that that the way things are set up need to change. And the and in the playoffs in 2018, um, they were much more secure with those rooms. So I think judging from what was said about that in the postseason and the rules and this report. Um, it leads me to believe that, Jen, this system would have been impossible to do during the playoffs, I think. Um, does that sound right? Yeah, and I think, you know, there was a line in here saying that they found that it was not something that was, was done in the playoffs. But, yeah, it doesn't seem like it was. Uh, it would be something that they'd be able to, to pull off. And it was, you know, a, li- a limited number of instances. Uh, I'm not exactly sure how they determined that it was never done in the playoffs, but, um, but they seem to get some assurance. Um, so, obviously... You know, all you can do at this point is sort of take their word for it. Uh, but, um, yeah, I think there's probably a lot of questions that will remain unanswered about this, um, you know, going forward. But, uh, but yeah, from, from, what, from what we can glean from what Manfred wrote in this report, that it wasn't, it wasn't something that um, was, was used during that 2018 run in the postseason. Well, and the biggest question that I don't think we're ever going to get an answer to, right, because they said a limited small amount of players is, Chad, we're never going to know who those players are unless, you know, years from now there's kind of a fight between two of these players, one that <laughs> right. didn't cheat and one that did, and, and the one that didn't just comes out and says, yep, he was one of the guys. But otherwise, I would think uh, teammate code here, uh, we're never going to know who the players, the small number of players, according to the report, are that, that took part in this. Right. No, I wouldn't think so. And and it also wouldn't surprise me if the small number is a much larger number and that, you know, some just kind of either if some either would not, you know, didn't rat out JT or just didn't know that they'd gotten signs illegally. Right. I mean, what's the difference if you go in there to ask JT Watkins, hey, what's the what are the signs again? What kind of what sequences are they using? You know, how do you know, you know, whether he's telling you something that that maybe you'd forgotten that he gave you in the pregame scouting meeting or if it's something that he picked up illegally off video or if it's something that another player picked up at second base that relayed to him. I mean, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of players maybe would have gotten something, some information there illegally and might not have known it or did know it and just did a good enough job, did a job during their interview of, of not confessing to that or, or, throwing, uh, or throwing JT's name out there. 
All right, one more thing to talk about, I think, is the legacy of the 2018 Red Sox 108 regular season wins, world champions. Now, when this happened with the Astros and and it was a bigger scheme and there was um, bigger penalties, there was a call from a minority, I think, and, and maybe a growing minority at one point that, you know what, they should be stripped of the title. They shouldn't be the world champs. And Manfred made it very clear that wasn't something that was going to happen. Um, this doesn't feel like there'll be that kind of outcry. Eventually, we'll hear from players and they'll give our opinions. Um, but I think it's it's different. But, Jen, I, I also feel like maybe an asterisk isn't out of question here, not officially, but I think when people think of that 2018 Red Sox team, well, they may not say, hey, that team didn't deserve the championship. They probably are always going to remember this. Yeah, I'm sure there'll definitely be a faction of people that feel that way, especially, you know, the people outside of New England. I think there'll be maybe a difference, you know, inside of New England, outside of New England, like like there generally is about sports in this region. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, you don't know how many games this impacted. And, you know, in the report, it does say a small number of instances. But, you know, were those key games? I mean, obviously, they ran away, you know, towards the end with the division um, and had such a, you know, a, a, a good lead with, you know, those the historic number of wins they had. Uh, but still, you know, I don't think you quite know exactly how, you know, things were impacted or, you know, guys' numbers were impacted. Um, you know, obviously, a lot of those guys had great offensive years. Um, so I, I think, like I said, there'll be a lot of questions that are going to remain unanswered. And that's probably one of them um, of how much did this really help them um you know I think by and large um they were such a good team to begin with um that this probably helped them that much more but I still think that they were a very good team to to start with um and probably didn't even need the advantage um but you know once you have it there uh it's hard to kind of look the other way so um and, and like Chad said you know everybody you know probably didn't really think it was that big of a deal to begin with. So, um, so yeah, I, I, I'm sure there'll definitely be people down the line and, and now that, that feel that this is, you know, a tarnished season or there should be some asterisks on the season. Um, but, uh, you know, I think by and large, most people will kind of eventually move on from this. And, and I think a lot of people see it differently than, than the Astros, um, than the Astros scandal. Um, and, and we'll, I guess we'll have to find out, like Chad said, when we get back to baseball, how the players view it. I think people are going to have a hard time really believing that Alex Cora knew nothing about this. Like it sounds like in the report, just because of 2017 and the suspension for what he did with the Astros. That said, according to the report, you know, he's he's off the hook for this one. He's suspended through 2020 because of 2017, but he did no wrong. There was no wrongdoing with the Red Sox. So that brings up the question, and I'll start with you, Chad. Is there any chance that Alex Cora comes back to the Red Sox after hearing this report and the fact that he supposedly didn't do anything wrong while with the team. I mean, I guess there's a chance. I, I, I mean, who, honestly, it's there's so much uncertainty going forward here, <laughs> um, you know, beyond this report and Alex Cora and, you know, whether there's a season, all this stuff. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I suppose there's a chance. He is very well liked kind of throughout the organization, um, I, I think that they still believe he's a good manager. I don't think that uh, I think that there was disappointment on on every side. You know, it was we sort of poke fun a lot at uh, that they parted ways. I mean, that always is such a nonsense way of saying that someone was fired. But in this case, it really did feel like no one particularly wanted Cora out. Cora, I don't think wanted to leave. I don't think that ownership wanted him to leave. It just was 
the, the reality of everything that was in front of them, it was hard to see a way for him to go, to be the manager leading into spring training. So I suppose there's a chance that that happens. Um, but, but it's just, yeah, it's still hard to know how we're all going to view all the sign ceiling stuff and everything on the other side of this, um, especially after what is going to be a, a very unusual baseball season if one happens at all in 2020. So uh, I, I, a chance he comes back, sure, but I still would not peg that as what I expect to happen. And obviously, Jen, they're, they have a manager now, and he's not an interim manager, so something would probably have to go terribly wrong in 2020 if they do play baseball in order to replace the manager they have. Yeah, it's uh, it's such a weird, you know, it's not a normal season to begin with, so it's like it's like hard to uh, to figure out what they might do at the end of the year if you know there is a normal end to the year. If there are any games played, um, do they just pretend you know Renicky like never managed at all and just go back to Cora, or do they just con- you know completely part ways with Cora? Um, so yeah, uh, I think this whole um, you know pandemic you know in the middle of all of this really does affect how how things are viewed um and how things might end up uh you know end up being uh figured out down the line but uh yeah i I, you know it's definitely something that's uh at least on the table right now and i'm sure people you know you, you can already see people on twitter um you know talking about it and speculating if if he if cora will come back or or what his future might be there's a bizarro world where the Red Sox don't play baseball this year, re-sign Mookie Betts and bring back Alex Cora, and it's like the whole year never happened. Right? Exactly. <laughs> uh, Ch- Chad, did I miss anything? Oh, gosh, I don't think so. <laughs> I, mean, I think we covered it pretty good. I mean, really, like, it just it, it is for such a big thing that was sort of hanging over everything, for this to be the report at the end of it that, you know, the league has found that the assistant – <laughs> advanced scouting guy who was in the replay room was on a small percentage of at bats the report says was trying to was helping guys with the sign it, it's sort of a like okay you know i mean it, it yeah. just feels like there's not a whole lot to to digest after you know months of speculation and talking about it and the speculation is kind of what blew this all up, the fact that we've been waiting and waiting and waiting. And this obviously would have come out sooner, I'm sure, if not for the coronavirus and the shutdown and everything else that the league has had to worry about. But um, for more on this story, obviously go to The Athletic. Um, a whole bunch of stories coming out covering this thing from all angles. We mentioned Chad has the five big takeaways from the news. He's got another story coming out. Jen has that insight into JT Watkins in another story. Ken and Evan um, have the, the original story, and they've been on a – all these stories uh, since the get-go. So check out The Athletic. Um, And now if you go to our podcast within The Athletic, there's actually a comment section. So let us know what you think of what we're doing here on the Old Town Podcast. And you can save 40% off a subscription by going to theathletic.com slash wickedpod. We will be back on Monday uh, with another podcast. We're going to dive into your thoughts on the Red Sox right now, digging into the survey that Chad put out there. So come back and listen again on Monday. Thanks for joining us for the Old Town Podcast. Oh,